So you see that uh, bless is a strategy that happens all over the globe, right? It's happening in Germany, except they have an extra, I guess it's bless, because it's begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, share, sing, right, sing. And I'm just wondering how many of you are going to grab Todd and Terry afterward and go, hey, a concert in my backyard? Well, maybe, how? That'd be, a, that'd be a, what do you play, trombone? Yeah, so that'd be interesting to him to share the gospel while playing the trombone. Actually, um, one of the great things we get to do here at the chapel is be a part of what God is doing around the world. And so as Bill said, I want to encourage you. Are you connected in any way with what God is doing around the world by praying for, financially partnering with those who are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? That's part of who we are at Christian Family Chapel. So take your Bibles with me, if you would now please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We are in a series that we are referring to as Made Alive. And it's an exciting series because it captures the fact that when we were born physically alive, we were actually spiritually dead. But God, in his mercy and grace, has reached out to us to make us alive. And so this morning we're going to look at just one verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And we're going to only look at one verse because I want us to answer the question this morning, do works, good works, do good works have a part in our salvation? Do good works have a part in our salvation. It's an important question that we started looking at last week when I put up before you this chart that simply demonstrates that God reached out to us in Jesus, sending his son to be the payment for our sins. So as God has reached out to us in love, then we reach out to him and our good works so that through Jesus and our works, we might be restored to relationship with God. And many of you were extremely uncomfortable with that for this reason. The Bible actually says, for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. So what we just looked at is not correct. It's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So do good works have a part in our salvation? Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So do good works have a part in our salvation? (laughs) Yes, not for our salvation, but in our salvation. Do good works have a part in saving us. No, it's best said this way. Our good works will never result in salvation. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But our salvation is always intended to result in good works. That's Ephesians 2, 10. So how would this chart that we have tried to put good works in our salvation because our good works are part of our salvation? 
Yes, yes, yes. You just got to listen very carefully to what I say. They're not for our salvation, but they're part of our salvation in this way. Jesus paid the full penalty for our sin so that we who were far from God could be restored to right relationship with God. And when we are restored to right relationship with God, then we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. So let's look at verse 10 more closely. The first thing it says is this, that we are his workmanship. For we are his workmanship. Now, I think in those four words right there that start verse 10, I think that's the summary of all of chapter 2 so far. That we are his workmanship. Now, why do I say it's a summary? Because we're his workmanship because we couldn't participate in the work. Why? Why? Because chapter 2 began, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, all of us, by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. So we are his workmanship because we were dead and we couldn't participate in it. We were deserving of God's wrath and we were therefore unable to help ourselves because we were dead and enslaved. We couldn't participate in the work. We are his workmanship because of our spiritual condition when we were physically born. How's verse four start? First two words. Have it open in front of you? But God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, verses one through three, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Do you see this? If you take all this description about God, rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, this part about us, even when we were dead in our transgressions. What's it say? But God made us alive together with Christ. You see that? So we are his workmanship. We were dead, deserving the wrath, unable to help ourselves, but God was merciful. God was loving and demonstrated his love for us in the sending of his son, Jesus, to be our savior. And he was gracious. He offered us eternal life and abundant life, forgiveness that we hadn't earned and we could never deserve, but God, so that by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We are his workmanship, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So our salvation is by grace, and it's through faith. So you capture, for we are his workmanship. That is the summary of the chapter so far because of who we were, who he was, and what he's done for us. And therefore, we can only be born again by his work. What did his workmanship do for us? Well, it says, next phrase in verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 
So his work is that he took us far from God, an enemy of God, and he made us in Christ. And in Christ, we are forgiven and made new. I'm going through this quickly because this is, quite frankly, all review of the first nine verses. When we were placed in Christ, we were cleansed, washed, sins washed whiter than snow. But more than that, we were made new. Is new better than clean? Drive your car, whether it's three years old, five years old, into the one of the 18 new car washes on San Jose Boulevard. I don't know what happened, but wow, it was like none and then everywhere. Drive your old car into the car wash and come out with a brand new car. That'd be quite the car wash, right? You'd be like, I want to go get my car washed. Because clean is a ton, new is a ton better than just clean. And that's radically changed my life. Because when I first believed in Jesus, I understood he cleansed me. He took a dirty, sinful young man and he washed him up. I had no concept that he had not just cleansed me, that he had made me new. And so he cleansed me, but you know what I continued to do? All the old stuff I had always done. As I didn't know that it was the supreme car wash. I just thought I was made clean, washed, forgiven, and don't mess it up so much, Doug. I think sometimes that's what lots of us think about the gospel. And forgiven, don't misunderstand. Forgiven is awesome. New, way, way, way better. Because now I can walk in newness of life. And with the fact that I've not only been made, been forgiven, my debt paid, been made new, I now have a new power, the Holy Spirit of God in me to fulfill a new purpose. The Spirit of God now dwells in me. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I'm still human, but I'm not only human. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. So you have new power for a new purpose, but what is your new purpose? What's the scripture say? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, for sounds like a purpose statement, for good works. In other words, we have been made new to be able to now do the things that we couldn't do when we were dead in our sin and enslaved to sin. We are made new and empowered by the Spirit to now let our light so shine before men that they would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So, do good works have an important part of our salvation? Yeah, not for our salvation, but of our salvation. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. 
And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our minutes together. In Christ Jesus, for good works. Because what's it say about our good works that we were created for? Where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which first God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Okay. God has created you in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. So figure out what they are today and do them. Actually, they've already been prepared for you. When? Yeah, this is before. Like this morning he got up and made them for you? Could have. Would that be before? Yeah. The beginning of the week, beginning of the month, beginning of the year, before creation. Yet we can tend to think, well, it happened before creation. And I'm not opposed to that idea. So before you were created, God had made good works for you to do. Yes or no? So he already has today for you, created beforehand. Do you understand how that changes your role today? He created them beforehand so that you would walk in them. See, uh, let me lay this out and then try to illustrate for you, I hope, in a helpful way. These works were prepared. They're good works. They were prepared beforehand by God. One of the privileges that I have on most evenings is to go home and eat but not prepare a meal. Do you know why? Because my wife prepared it Beforehand. You know what drives Jackie crazy? When I come home, walk in the kitchen, open up the refrigerator, and start pulling stuff out. You know what she says? What you doing? What, what are you doing? I'm looking for something to eat. I don't like when you do that. Why? Because I've already decided what we're going to eat. And I've already gotten some of it ready. And so I don't want you coming up with your new stuff. Ever done that to the Lord? Yeah, you go, let me go to the refrigerator and see what I can do for God today. And he's going, hey, stop it. Close the refrigerator. I've already prepared. So how do you know what they are? Well, we start here. The good works which God has prepared for you beforehand have been identified in the scriptures. And so you go, I know that I am to love my neighbor. Is that a good work? Yeah. The whole point of this blessed time has been to go, hey, we don't need to look in the refrigerator. God has already declared Love your neighbor. 
Love your literal neighbor. Bless your literal neighbor. It's already, it's already been prepared beforehand. In fact, I love the fact that I have the confidence that where I live, God has placed people around me that he has good works for me to do for them. See, it's nothing wrong with leaving my neighborhood and going to another neighborhood to do good works unless I never do the good works in my neighborhood. Then that's me, you get the analogy? That's me opening the refrigerator, ignoring what's already been prepared for me. I don't, I don't need to like figure a lot of this out. It's love my neighbor. It's love my spouse. It's lead my family. It's utilize my gifts. Is God giving you a gift? Are you in the refrigerator looking for something else? So that's, seriously, lots of folks are going, I don't really like my gift. Let me find something else. And you're digging in the refrigerator looking for something And God's going, no, I've made you for exactly what I have prepared for you to do. What's our responsibility? Eat. <laughs> now, in this one, it's the eating is walking in them. But you, do you understand that God has said, I have set the path. I have blazed the trail for you. You don't need to whack your way through the jungle. You just need to walk in the path I have prepared for you. And could it be that your path that God has prepared for you in terms of the good works that he has for you are different than for me? Yes, you see that? One of the, I, I experienced this as a church and I know we experience this as individuals. We tend to look around and see what other people are doing and then they, we think, oh, ooh, 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 we should do that. And we, what we should do? We should go, what's the path the Lord has prepared for me in good works? And walk in them. Begins with the word of God. Followed by then the Spirit of God who would apply the truth of the Scriptures in specific ways for you. The Spirit of God prompt you? Does the Spirit of God prompt you? Yes. He prompts us as children of His children. He prompts us. Never in violation of this. Always in specific application of this, but he prompts us. And so, therefore, to walk in what he has prepared, we give ourselves to know the word of God, to live under the word of God, be sensitive to the spirit of God, so that we would walk in what he has prepared for us. Uh, turn with me to Titus chapter 1, and let me show you uh, three specific actions that we're going to need if we're going to walk in the good works. All right, it's Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus. That's how you remember where Titus is. 
It's the fifth of the five T's in the, Old Test- in the New Testament. I came across this because I was, uh, I took the expression good works and I traced it everywhere it was used in the New Testament in, in preparation for studying this. And, and I was uh, really encouraged by what I found here in three very, in close proximity expressions of good works with a unique verb to each of them in Titus. First, Titus chapter 2, verse 14. If you're waiting for it on the screen, it's not going to come. So Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Who, that is, Christ Jesus, gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. New American Standard says, zealous for good works. You know what zealous is? Energy, enthusiasm for an objective. So if we're going to walk in good works, then there is a zeal for those good works, an expectancy that God has prepared for us, a zeal, an expectancy. And this is a mindset. In other words, I think about this As I wake up each day and as I go through each day, I have uh, energy and enthusiasm to the fact that God has what? He has made me alive to do good works that he's already prepared and planned for me. So uh, I, I go into a day with expectancy, with a zeal and energy and an enthusiasm for what the day holds. If we're not there, if we don't start with that expectancy, we're going to miss it. Some of you know I have a zeal for sashimi. Sushi, good. Sashimi, better. If you're you're like sashimi, that's just the raw fish, not all the other fillers they're trying to fill me up with. Just raw fish with enough wasabi on top of it to almost make me cry, but not. Just like, whoo, if, if I shake my head, I was like, oh, that was perfect. Whoo. I love sashimi. Because it's expensive, we don't do it a lot. But when we do, and coming up for staycation, when the whole family comes to town, we'll go do a night of sashimi. And I'll plan. Like, get up that morning. Oh, whoa. Bacon and eggs, mm not today. Sashimi, tonight. Lunch, mm, no, nope, not, I'll, I'll be saying no all throughout the day because of expectancy for sashimi at night. Now, honest truth, as I was going through this passage, I was like, I have greater zeal for sashimi at times than I do good works. Yeah, that's, uh-oh. Yeah, you're like, and you're the pastor. Bad news, man. <laughs> do you understand that about yourself? I, I, I can have greater expectancy 
for some physical things that I do spiritual things. And we're going to, this is, I think, the point. We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we're going to end up going through our days missing, missing them and not maximizing if we don't begin with that sense of zeal, expectancy. I have energy enthusiasm for this day because, why? This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. When I, when I put these two truths together, that this is the day that the Lord has made. In other words, it has purpose. There's no accidental day. There's no just throwaway day. It's a purposeful day. And that I've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Then this purpose for the day and this purpose for my life can bring great expectancy and zeal to walk in. And a great relief that, that I don't have to look around and see what other people are doing and then try to imitate that. I don't have to go into the refrigerator and try and create something for myself. I simply have to go, Lord, you have made me and this day both for the purpose of you being glorified. And I want to walk in that. And that's not just singing a song or lifting my hands or listening to praise music or re reading my Bible. That's Getting up and going out and what? You know, I don't need to define good works for you, do I? You, you got it. Yeah, it's to love and to care, to be kind, to help, to share, to listen. It's not, it's not complicated. It's just we're often not zealous for it. I want us to get it on the right side of our salvation. They are, they are a result of our salvation. They're not for our salvation. But let's not minimize. They are the intended result of our salvation that Christ would now live in us so that having been gathered together this morning for the sake of instruction from God's word and have our eyes lifted up and our hearts filled with the glory and the goodness of God that we would scatter all throughout this community for the coming days to be like God to people, to be good to people, to love people as we've been loved, to help people as we've been helped, to be compassionate to people as we've received compassion, yet it, to serve, to share. That's zealous for. You have a sense of expectancy, not just getting through to today, but going. See, I, I hope right now in your heart is the sense of, wow, okay, what's this afternoon and this evening hold then? Expectancy. Titus chapter 3, just two verses later, verse 1. He said in verse 14, zealous for good works. Then two verses later, verse 1 of chapter 3, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. So there's an expectancy and there's a readiness of attentiveness. It's not just ready, like I'm in position for the in football, for, for the ball to be hiked and then go. It's a readiness that says I am there, but that ready, that attentiveness involves my eyes, my ears, the Holy Spirit. T to see needs 
to listen for needs and to be attentive because the Holy Spirit, we already agreed, prompts us, not in violation to the scriptures, but to apply the scriptures in very specific personal ways. So Thursday night, a, a gal shared before the service, not even before I gave this message, she said, uh, three of us were at breakfast and I couldn't help but notice across the, the room there was two ladies meeting the one gal was just crying the whole way through breakfast. Eyes to see. And then that prompting of the spirit. Don't let her just suffer and grieve alone. past week I had to apologize to a guy because three times not once not twice three times the Holy Spirit brought to mind this person and a specific situation but I was like ah yeah it's not urgent so I didn't do it not urgent didn't do it and forgot and then he texted me super long text about what was going on in his life and it was everything that the Spirit of God had prompted me to reach out to him first. And I missed it. No, I didn't miss it. I knew it. I knew it. But I didn't follow through on it. One of the real privileges that, well, one of the things we really enjoy as a staff is to be able to, to pause at 8.30 each day and pray together. And when you pray together in your family group or when you pray together in a small group, I, I hope you'll do it this way. I grew up when we prayed in a small group, this person prayed and then the next person prayed and then the next person prayed and then the next person prayed. And it was kind of like take your turn praying and you didn't have to like pay attention until it was your turn. And then when you were done, whew, you know, you've been in that prayer group. It's like, oh, I'm never, okay, done. When we pray together, we seek to pray together. So Somebody begins, and they might, after we've praised the Lord, then we'll, we'll bring a request before the Lord. Just one. And then we'll give opportunity for other people to pray for that same request, maybe a different aspect of it, a different side of it, a different part or a different person in that circumstance. So we're praying together as one. And, and then maybe after a few pray, we'll move to an. Somebody will introduce another request. It's, it's a great way to pray together. And one of the real encouragements in that is the frequency in which when we're praying, I'll be thinking, oh, I want to pray now next for this, and then somebody else with no prayer request shared beforehand. Just the Spirit of God putting on my heart and on their heart the exact same thing. It's just a sweet reminder. This is the Lord meeting with us. Not each of us taking our turn. Thinking about what we're thinking about, but seeking to pray together. If you've never had that opportunity, I encourage you to learn to pray together in that way. To be attentive 
to what your eyes see, what your ears hear, and how the Holy Spirit prompts you to be alert to every opportunity God has prepared for me. See, it's not that we just hear things by accident or we see things by accident or that we're exposed to things by accident. It's that God places us in particular environments and particular circumstances so that we can hear a need or see a need or be prompted by a need and step in. I want to be alert. And then, obviously, walk is to take action. If my role is not to prepare them, but to do them, I need to be zealous and ready so that I can be attentive to what God brings across my path and then take action. Now, I've said expectancy is a mindset. Attentiveness is eyes and ears. A spirit sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What's action take? What body parts? <laughs> Oftentimes it's going to be what? Hands, feet going somewhere, speaking something. I remember, bless. Listening, one of the good works we are not so good at doing often is listening. It's simply involving my feet, my hands, my mouth, my ears. Why? To meet needs, to make the most of the opportunity for good. See, I don't need to know the street that you live on or where you work to know that you have people who are in need around you. Do you see it? Do you hear it? Are you sensitive to the spirit? And then to follow through. We've been blessed uh, in the last year to have a new neighbor. Uh, she's a 70, uh, I strike that. She's a widow. And um, actually, I said that because I don't know how old she is. Uh, But she's a widow, lives next door, and she's new to to Jacksonville. And so Jackie, with her eyes, sees her a couple months ago out uh, trimming her Sega palm from the top down. You know anything about Sega palms? You don't trim them from the top down. Yeah, trimming from the bottom up. So Jackie sees it and goes, oh, they're going to look terrible. And went, shoot. No, she sees it. She goes over and says, oh, hey, let us help you with that. Doug will do that for you. (laughs) So who's going to get the reward in heaven? My wife who offered or me? Yeah, when she said, well, as soon as you asked that, I lost mine, right? Um, now she was like, yeah, we, we can help you. I'm teasing. We can help you with that. And she come and told me what happened. I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. And it's, it was a great idea. Until it was the day off, and it was like, you want to go clean up all our shrubs?
right? You've been here. You've seen good ideas. You've heard good ideas. You've been prompted by good ideas and then went. She could probably hire somebody. (laughs) No, it was like, get my feet moving. Get my tools out. And and together. And we really had, we had a, a great time. She wasn't, the, she wasn't there. We texted her and said, hey, don't want to freak out. We're going to come over in your garden and do all your front landscape. And she, wasn't, she didn't reply back and found out she wasn't there. She was sitting around the corner in her car waiting till we were finished, and then she came home. <laughs> no, it is. She, she did come home right after we finished. And I was like, she's brilliant. <laughs> no, she was unbelievably grateful. So grateful, she immediately came over with two gifts and said, I don't understand you two. (laughs) And we laughed. And then she said, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) To which Jackie said, oh, I hope not. (laughs) Now, I only tell you that because I was so grateful for my wife to see and to speak. And then to get over there and to sweat and to get pricked and bleed a little bit. And quite frankly, that's, that's sometimes what keeps us. We don't want to sweat. We don't want to bleed. We don't want to sacrifice our free time. So we see a need. We know a need. We know it would be good. And we don't follow through. Because it costs, right? And it's, we know it's good. It was really a, a great experience to finish and go, this is, this is well worth so much better than what I would have done just hanging out, relaxing. But sometimes it's hard to get started. Or when I go home and Jackie goes, I prepared a great dinner for us and I've had a huge lunch. Because what's my role? Eat. <laughs> and I'm like, that looks really good. And then I put a little more on my plate. What's the first thing she says? You're not eating very much. <laughs> what do I not want to tell her? I had sushi for lunch. (laughs) So I've learned, actually. If I have sushi for lunch, better to tell beforehand than afterhand than than have to pile it down. Because she doesn't want to do it if I don't want it. But you understand? For you and I to walk in the good works that God has created us for in Christ Jesus requires us to be not walking in other paths. Because when we're walking in our own paths, we're going to miss the path that he has created beforehand for us. And I just get... I think you do too. You get excited when you think about, really, this doesn't have to be complicated. To just go in Christ, 
and do good. To help people, to bless people, to share with people, to meet people's needs, to be an instrument in and through which God is working. And not doing something that you see somebody else do, doing something that God has made you good at, that God has made you for. So that they would see your good works created in Christ Jesus for you and go, wow, God. That's the privilege. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to think of our bodies as Romans 6 tells us to think of our bodies. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you would obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of righteousness, of unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those what? Alive from the dead. Because that's what we are. We're alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. See, that's not, this doesn't have to be complicated. It's simply going, this body has been redeemed. And before it was, it was dead in sin, enslaved to sin. My eyes, my mind, my hands, my feet, they were all just instruments for satisfying the desires of my flesh, for unrighteousness, for building my kingdom and serving myself. But I am made alive in Christ Jesus. And now this body is redeemed. And this body becomes by its hands for good and by its mind zealous for good and by my eyes looking for good. Do you see your whole body now each and every day presented to him ready so that when he shows you a need, when he brings before you a need, when he prompts you by your spirit, you go, I've been presented. I'm going to do righteousness. That's why he didn't save you and take you off the planet immediately. He redeemed you so that your body and my body, we, the body, would be his good work on this planet. So here's our prayer. I want you to stand with me and let's declare this together. Out loud together. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which you prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like a wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church, and we need your power in us. We seek your kingdom first. 
fear. Show your mighty hand, heal our streets. kingdom beginning with our hearts so that we would be attentive lord that we would be zealous for good works that we'll be ready to move and to walk in this in the power that you give us to do that and we believe as your church as we do that individually and collectively as your church that lives can be changed and you will get great great glory in that so we're expectant for what the rest of this day holds and lord we give it we give it to you we give ourselves to you uh, would you um, meet us everywhere we need to be met and strengthen us where we need strength. We believe you'll do it. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, you guys, next, uh, quick reminder, next Sunday is Father's Day. And I know a lot of you might be planning to take your dad on a weekend getaway, like a guy's trip or something cool like that. Um, if you're doing that, wanted to remind you, Thursday nights are our first service of the weekend. So starting this Thursday, we're doing them summer style. We've got ice cream before and or after if you want to partake in that. It's a lot of fun. You get to hang out, but you don't have to miss. If you got plans this weekend, you don't have to miss being with the body of Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. Hope to see you then. Have a good day.